I think we are on point number two on page three, correct? Yes, sir. All right. So let's read those uh, first four verses of Ephesians just to kind of get us back in the uh, swing of things, and then we'll uh, pick up in our notes. For this cause, I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles, if you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given to me, you word, how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery, as I wrote afore in few words, whereby when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. A um, couple things here real quick. Uh, if you notice there in verse number uh, uh, two there, uh, I'm sorry, three, where he says how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery, as I wrote afore in few words. Uh, so Paul had already written about this mystery. Now remember, okay, uh, Ephesians was written while Paul was in a Roman prison somewhere around 62 AD. Um, so there was a couple books that had been written now prior to Ephesians, one of them being Romans. And if you want to hold your place here in Ephesians and jump with me real quick over to Romans 16, I want to show you where he is mentioning right now, uh, where he had mentioned aforetime this mystery. If you get uh, over in Romans 16, uh, <clears throat> picking up in verse 25, he says, Now to him, uh, uh, Christ, that is of the power to establish you according to my gospel, and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery, which was kept secret since the world began, but now is made manifest, and by the scripture of the prophets, according to the commandment of the everlasting God, made known to all nations for the obedience of faith. Now, the thing that I want you to understand, and I think that we all need to understand, uh, and, and, and I, I will be honest with you, it really uh, was a major eye-opener for me when I was able to grasp what's going on here. And, and we've kind of already touched on this quite a bit. We've talked about this quite a bit, but let's just make sure we grab onto it. You know, Paul says there in Romans that it was his gospel, my gospel. And so clearly the gospel that was being preached by the apostles and uh, Peter uh, prior to Paul coming on the scene is different. And I do think that's important to note because, you know, a lot of times when you're talking to folks or you're talking to people and you, you mention that word gospel, you know, the, 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 the go-to is, oh yeah, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We're talking about the gospels. Well, now, hold on a minute. <laughs> okay. Uh, listen, Matthew is a gospel. Mark is a gospel. Luke is a gospel. And John is a gospel. However, we need to make sure that we define words. Uh, I love how Claude says it when he preaches. Uh, he's preaching on Sunday, or Friday. Yeah? Amen? Okay. Uh, you know, he said, words have meanings. And we got to make sure we understand what words actually mean before we try to uh, define them biblically because we can't insert our ideas of what a word means. We've got to allow God to tell us what he means by the word. Does that make sense? Um, I mean, it seems to me like that would be pretty basic and obvious and we should all be able to grab onto that. Uh, 
But I do think that a lot of times uh, presuppositions uh, hurt our ability to come to our understanding of the Bible. And what I mean by a presupposition is we just kind of think that's what it means and we just take it and we go with it and then all of a sudden now we're taking things and bringing them and putting them out of context. That word gospel simply means good news, okay? But what we have to understand from a biblical standpoint, there's actually seven gospels in the Bible. Um, uh, I could be wrong about that. I think I am. There's actually three Gospels in the Bible that I know of. Seven, uh, I was thinking baptisms. Uh, you know, so there's the everlasting Gospel. There's the uh, 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 Gospels, uh, you know, the four Gospels of Jesus Christ. And listen, the kingdom, the good news that Jesus Christ was offering is not the same good news that's being offered to the Gentile. Do you understand? What Jesus was, when he came, and when he came onto his own, and his own received him not, the reason why they didn't receive him is because they rejected the gospel that he brang. And he was bringing the gospel of the kingdom of heaven to the Jew. That's what he was doing. That's a different gospel than our gospel. As Paul says, my gospel. Paul's not arrogant. He's not thinking he's better than everybody else. What he's trying to let us understand and, and, and clue us in on is that the gospel that was given to Paul, which was given to the Gentile, is different than the gospel that was given to the Jew, given to Peter and the apostles. Does that make sense? I mean, it's, you know, once you kind of break it down and you start to go, oh, yeah, okay, that makes sense. That works. I see. I understand that. <sighs> And I think y'all know, but man, I'm telling you, it's the difference between getting doctrine right or wrong. That's why I'm driving this point home as much as I can through this, because I want to make sure that we all just have it in our minds, because I'm telling you, there's so much false doctrines being propagated in the church house today because of a lack of understanding of this. And obviously, if if the devil wants to mess with us on stuff, he doesn't care that we get wrong doctrine. That's the right doctrine. That's not what the devil's worried about. The devil is more interested in people's souls, just like God is interested in people's souls. And so why it's so important is because it can determine someone's salvation. It can. And we got to make sure we have a good understanding of this stuff. And what Paul's now doing in this book, remember, what is the purpose of Ephesians? Why, why is this book being written? It's being written so that the Gentiles would understand this entity that's new, chapter number two, this new thing that's called the body of Christ. This is new. It, it, that's why it couldn't replace Israel because replacing Israel wouldn't make something new. This is a new thing that God is implementing, uh, and it's, it's during this, as Paul calls it here, this dispensation that we're living in. Uh, man, I don't know if you've ever had conversations with people and you've talked to them about dispensations and stuff like that, but it's amazing to me how ma so many people are so ignorant to this. And I mean that from a biblical sense. I'm not trying to call somebody ignorant because they're stupid. That's not the biblical word for ignorant. Ignorant in the Bible means they just don't know. 
And most people just don't know. They don't believe in dispensations because they, they have bought into or they have seen hyper-dispensationalists and what they do. And hyper-dispensationalists definitely ruin it. No doubt about it. Okay, we're not, we're not, we're not hyper-dispensationalists. Okay, we, are, we just believe that in the economy of time that we are living on here in earth, which I believe is going to be a total of 7,000 years, I believe we're somewhere around 6,000 now, in this economy of time, God deals with his people in different ways at different times. He dispenses his grace differently. Uh, you know, I don't think you have to be a genius to go to God dispenses grace differently to the Jews than he did to the, in the Old Testament than he does in the New Testament. If, if you say, yes, he did, right there, you're a dispensationalist. Because that means God did something different with somebody different than he's doing with us now. And, and so... If people would just stop, and instead of hearing words and just, you know, like people do now with the, with the name Baptist, especially I've noticed it here around in Jacksonville, people do not like the name Baptist. It just turns them off. And listen, uh, after being a part of some of the Baptist things and seeing what's going on in some of the Baptist things down here, I don't argue with them. I can see why they'd be turned off to it. However, just because something's got a name on it doesn't mean it's wrong. Could wrong come from it? Sure, sure. But that doesn't mean that they're all wrong. And that's how the devil gets us. That's how the devil grabs onto us and, in, and, he, and, he, and he directs us in the wrong direction. Uh, because when we start to associate words with something, listen, not all Baptist churches are the same. You, you understand? Uh, so... Um, when it comes to this idea of dispensation, we need to make sure we understand it is a biblical word. If you have a King James Bible, it is in your King James Bible four times, okay? It is a biblical word, and Paul is clearly, if you just read what it says, he's clearly letting us know that we are living in a period of time called the dispensation of grace. It was not revealed before Paul. So any time before Paul would not be the dispensation of grace. I mean, I don't think any of us need to be English majors to figure that out. You just got to read what it says. Okay, and, and certainly uh, he says that this dispensation of grace is being revealed now by Paul. It was not made known in other ages, as he says in verse number five. So, all right. Number two, Ephesians, uh, fill in your blank there. It's the revelation of the mystery of Christ. The revelation of the mystery of Christ. In Galatians chapter number one, uh, verse 11 and 12, Paul says, but I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man. For I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. Again, if we just read what the Bible says, we would get ourselves out of a lot of trouble. Listen, what was given to Paul, obviously he says it right there. For I neither received it of man, so he did not get it from Peter or the rest of the apostles. Matter of fact, he makes that statement. Because I didn't go up to see the, 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 uh, Peter or the rest of the apostles. 
I went to Arabia, is what he says over there in Galatians. He received this revelation by Jesus Christ himself, and it was given to him at the time appointed. The Jew has now been put on the shelf. Very, very clear. Let's be clear about this. God's not done with the Jew. He's just put them on the shelf, as he says in Revelation chapter 11. They have been blinded. We have entered into, uh, uh, I mean, uh, the best way I've ever heard it, and we've said it a lot around here, is we have entered a period of time that's a parenthetical period of time. And what I mean by that is everything in the Bible And if you can kind of wrap your brain around this, I think it will help you in your studies. Honestly, I do. Everything in the Bible is focused on the Jew. They are the epicenter of the Bible, okay? So when God is going to fulfill prophetic things, it is going to be a fulfillment of prophetic things focusing on the promises that God made to the Jew. That's why replacement theology is so dangerous, That's why it's such a big problem. Because if you try to turn that and get it to focus on us, you have now disrupted God's way of doing things. The period of time that we're living in, you you see what I'm saying? It's a, a, what do you call these? Right? That's why we're saying parenthetical. It's a parenthesis. It's, 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 if you took that out, the timeline would keep going. In other words, think about it this way. When, <clears throat> when Jesus came and he offered the kingdom to Israel, everything that was in place that is spoken about in the book of Revelation, even though it hadn't been revealed yet, everything was in place. The Antichrist was here. He was? Yeah. Judas Iscariot. Okay. Rome was in power. The king of kings was here offering the kingdom. Everything was in place. It could have all gone down without the parenthesis. But it didn't. The Jew did not accept their king, did not accept the kingdom. And so what happened is, at Daniel's 70th week, stopped. It stopped after 69 weeks. Now we're living in this period of time, Paul calls the dispensation of grace, the church age, if you will, that if you could kind of think of it like this, Time's not really going right now. It's just we're living in this parenthesis. At some point, though, the Lord, and listen, if he did it right now, I'd be okay with that. (laughs) The Lord's going to take us home. He's going to call up his body, and then what's going to happen is the 70th week is going to finish playing itself out. That's going to lead to the Jew calling upon Jesus as their Messiah. And by the way, he will not return until they do so. We can preach the gospel to every single person, and I've heard heard that. So People 
preach Matthew so wrong so many times, Matthew 24. When we preach the gospel to every nation, then the Lord will return. Do you think we have anything to do with that? (laughs) No. Do you see what happens? It's just a subtle little thing, but we have a whole missionary movement on it that's that's it's just wrong. It's not it's not right. And and the sad part about it is, is someone will say, well, well, at least they're doing good. No, they're not because they're not even preaching the right gospel. So if they're not preaching the right gospel, how can that be good? This is why I say, don't allow things that don't sound like they're that important. Don't recognize that to be not that important. Every little thing is that important. And we have to get this right. We just do. And it's not hard. It really isn't. We just make it hard. Because we put roadblocks in our way. And, 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 and can I just say this, as humbly as I can? Don't blame the devil. It's not the devil's fault that you have a roadblock in your way. Stop blaming the devil. It's, your, it's, it's our own, it's, it's, it's us. We put the roadblocks in our way. Did the devil subtly mess with Eve? Absolutely. But Eve didn't have to eat of that tree. The devil didn't like force feed her. It was her choice to do so. And we just got to remember, in life, it's always our choice what we're going to do. And that's a blessing, <laughs> but sometimes it can be a curse <laughs> because we are so, so all about our flesh. We really are. And if we can just grab onto the fact that the Bible's not that hard, it really isn't. I know sometimes it may seem like it is. I know sometimes it may seem like the Oh my, there's so much information, and oh, oh, what about that? And what if I don't understand this? Listen, keep it, keep it simple. Keep it simple. Don't make it hard. But when the doctrines present... if we've been on the walk. God's going to hold us responsible for what we didn't know if we're not on the walk. Because we could have known, but we were too busy being selfish to ourselves. Does that make sense? All right. So Paul gets this gospel from Jesus Christ. And this gospel is obviously clearly something different than was given to uh, Peter and the rest of the apostles. 1 Corinthians 15, obviously, is where we would go to, uh, to, to see uh, this gospel, because Paul write, I mean, Paul doesn't mince words. He, he tells us straight up what it is, and, and he tells us in 1 Corinthians 15. And, and listen, what's crazy about it is he says that Jesus was dead and buried and raised again on the third day, according to Scripture. And he tells us that nobody could have knew or understood that prior to him giving it. That right there completely destroys 
it completely destroys the thought of anybody saying that the Jew was looking forward to the cross. They couldn't have. It's an impossibility. And I'm just telling you, man, most churches teach that. And it's not right. There's no way those Old Testament saints could have ever understood it. They did not. Was it there? Yes. But it wasn't. Look what Paul uses his words right. How that by revelation. It was there. But nobody under, those Old Testament Jews did not understand it. And by the way, it would make sense. Why would they need to understand it? It wasn't for them. That wasn't their kingdom. They needed to understand that Messiah was coming to set up their kingdom. That was what they needed to understand. Okay, did I drive that point home enough? <laughs> I hope so. I hope y'all are grabbing on to that. Um, notice in 1 Corinthians 2, verse 7, it says, but Paul speaking, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory. Now again, is he talking to the Jew? No. Now he's talking, he's written this epistle, Corinthians, to the church at Corinth. He's talking to the Gentile. It says, which none of the princes of this world knew, for had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Now listen, some of those princes of this world would have been the Jew. They didn't know it. If they would have known the gospel, they wouldn't have crucified the Lord. But they didn't. But as it is written, I have not seen nor heard, ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. Oh, how often this verse has been preached out of context. Listen, this is not talking about eternity future and what God's going to do for you in eternity future. This is, look, look at the very next verse. But God hath revealed them unto us by his spirit. We don't have to wait to be with him to learn about this. We can know it now. It's been revealed. For the spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. All right. I mean, as you read through this, you can, uh, I kind of gave you a, a bunch of verses here to kind of give you an opportunity in uh, uh, page four here, um, to give you an opportunity where you can kind of see that a lot of these, uh, these uh, 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 guys were, were, were talking about things that, that they, there needed to be a revelation to understand them. Although they were there, there wasn't a revelation to completely grab onto. Although Psalm 22 was there, although Isaiah 53 was there, listen, on this side of the fence, man, Isaiah 53, there's no doubt about it, is talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. But I'm telling you right now, to this day, if you talk to an Orthodox Jew, they still think that, 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 that the, the, serf, the suffering servant is Israel. To this day, there's still a veil over their eyes. They still can't see it. So before we go, how can you not see that? Well, listen, if, if you allow the veil to be over your eyes, the veil will be over your eyes. 
And that's just the reality of it, okay? Uh, Jesus tells the Jew there, search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and they are they which testify have uh, of me. How many times does Jesus say that phrase, have you not read? We can know a great many things if we get our knowledge from scripture. Uh, it said, understand my knowledge, which would not matter unless it was given to Paul. Other ages, it wasn't known. Uh, uh, look at Colossians 1.25, it says, Whereof I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. Listen, because the lamb was slain before the foundation of the world. It's not like any of this stuff caught God by surprise. It's not like God goes, oh man, what am I going to do now? I can't believe, I did not know, I did not see that coming. I did not see the Jew rejecting my son. I just can't believe they did that. What am I going to do now? I'm going to have to, no, no. <laughs> and by the way, that's what foreknowledge is all about, okay? That's the proper understanding of foreknowledge, okay? Um, even... In, in verse 26 of Colossians, he says, The mystery which has been hid from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to the saints. Now it can be understood. Now it's being revealed. Do you see how there's no doubt about it, there's a separation? That's why I say, listen, man, if you go to Acts chapter 2 and try to pull out some salvation ideas for the church, you're in trouble. You're in trouble. There's just no way it could have been. It's an impossibility. It's obvious that there's something different going on in Acts chapter 2, right up on through Acts chapter 7, even into chapter 8. It's obvious something different is going on. Uh, there's no way it could be the same because Paul hadn't stepped on the scene yet and none of this has been revealed yet. So how could anybody have known? And I don't think, I don't think God, I mean, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think God is going to put an uh, uh, um, emphasis on something when he didn't allow his people to even know what it was. I, what are you saying? I mean, because from Acts chapter 2 to Acts chapter 10, when Paul comes on the scene, uh, 9, excuse me, you're talking about somewhere around 7 or 8 years. So you're telling me for 7 or 8 years nobody could be saved? God just, oops. No. No, 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 no. Something different was going on. A different kingdom was still being offered. And I do believe that is exactly what's going on. Again, remember, to the Jew, it was remission of sin. Remember, at the cross and by the cross are two different things. And if you just get that in, if we can just get in that our heads, we can understand what it was a different dispensation. The crossover doesn't take place into the new dispensation till Acts 9. That's when it starts to take place. And then when Paul comes on the scene, by the way, Acts chapter 9, Acts chapter 10, Acts chapter 11, it's still Saul. It's still Saul until about verse 7 or 8 in chapter 11 when his name is turned to Paul. And what's he preaching now? See, his message was much, much different than what Peter was preaching. Peter was preaching for remission of sin. You crucified your Messiah. Paul said, oh, well, wait a minute now. Let me just tell you what happened here on that cross. And by the way, 
we should be so thankful because we didn't deserve any of that. <clears throat> All right. Letter, uh, let, I'm going to go right to uh, Ephesians 3, 5, and 6, the mystery of Christ. Verse uh, 5 and 6 says, Which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promises in Christ by the gospel. So, prior to this gospel that was being preached to Paul, Gentiles could not be fellow heirs. Right? Now, does that mean a Gentile couldn't be uh, and listen, grab on to what I'm going to say. Old Testament saints were not saved. They were counted righteous. Yeah, do you understand the difference? They weren't saved. And the reason why I say that is, is because when they died, did they go directly to heaven? No. Where did they go? They went to a place called Abraham's bosom. And where was Abraham's bosom? It was, in a, it was a compartment in hell. And that's exactly what Jesus is talking about over there in Luke 16. Now, were they being tormented? No. But they couldn't go directly with the Lord. And the reason why they couldn't go there is because sin hadn't been paid for yet. And they could not be in the presence of the Lord until sin was paid for. When Jesus died in the cross, he led captivity captive. He went down there, he grabbed them, he openly triumphed to, the, to, the, to, to, to all the, 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 the unsaved people that were in hell, and he openly triumphed to them, and he took those people out of Abraham's bosom, paradise, and he brought them up with him. We're going to see that in the next chapter, chapter 4. Paul's going to make, uh, make that under, uh, help us understand that. Okay, in, in doing so, in, 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 in allowing this to happen, if you, not allowing it to happen, but in, in, in this happening, it's very important that you understand that for the Old Testament, now grab onto this, in the Old Testament, it was the Gentile that had to proselyte to the Jewish faith. But watch how cool God is. In the New Testament, it's the Jew who has to proselyte into the Gentile understanding. See, nothing changed. God just flip-flopped it. And right now, a Jew can be saved just as well as, as much as we can. However, the Jew being saved today is not by putting their profession in the Messiah. That's why I think Messianic Judaism is, we better be careful. I think there is some okay, but then I think there's some that, no, they're putting their faith in the wrong thing. It's not believing that Jesus is Messiah that's going to save anybody today. What's going to save somebody today is believing that Jesus is Savior. That's different. It's believing that his blood paid for the cost for sin. It's belief that that's where our faith has to be put in. And listen, we cannot add a single ounce to it. And we cannot take away a single ounce to it. 
It has to be according to Scripture. It's repentance. It's the blood of Christ. It's yes, he died on the cross. Yes, he was buried. And yes, he rose again on the third day. And I'm glad you believe that. And I sure do believe that. But that's not enough. You and me have to die on the cross. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, Paul says, but not I. What does that say right up there on the board? Christ in you. And that's what chapter number three is all about. It's helping us understand Christ, the living temple of God, the God of this universe lives inside of you. Wow. Listen, my back is killing me right now, but that's sending chills right up it. And it should be sending chills up your... Do, you, do we understand the great privilege? It is such an awesome, awesome responsibility, but it's a great privilege. And the question is, and really how we've got to grab onto this, I know that our church is much more doctrinally driven. At least I know I am. I know that. But the reason why I think that I am is because we are so far to the right with what everybody else is teaching that it's like, uh, we've got to get this out of our heads because if we don't, we're never going to get to the place where God really wants us. And if we can understand because listen, grab onto what I'm about to say here, okay? It might be a tongue twister, okay? Some people, some people like Chris, he probably won't get it. Becky, help him, okay? Listen, check this out, okay? You will never, ever, ever get the practical right if you don't get the doctrine right. You know what I just said? You won't. Yes, I will. No, you won't. You won't because how you live it out is going to be wrong. Thinking it's, however, however, you can never get the doctrine right by living practically. And there's the problem. There's the problem. When all we do is teach devotional teachings to people, it may sound good. It may feel good. It may make us all feel all great inside, and we may think we're doing something really good. The problem is, what we're doing is he's doing absolutely nothing for the kingdom. And we think we are. You see how many people got saved in our service yesterday? Don't tell us God ain't moving in this place. Well, I listened to your service, and I didn't hear the gospel preached. So please explain to me who got saved. Do you see how many hands went up? <laughs> and? That doesn't mean anything. That means nothing. If you are not saved, what does James 1.21 says? Or did I not read that in the Bible? Robert, did I read that in the Bible? Is that in the Bible? It's the engrafted word that saves your soul. It's not what the pastor says at the pulpit that saves your soul. It's not the church you go to that saves your soul. No, it, it, it's not the famous pastor who, who has a great book on evangelism that goes. What saves your soul is the engrafted word. That's what saves your soul. 
So, does it matter? Yes. It all matters. It does. And you know, I love how Peter says it, man. Because you got to remember Peter. You know, I don't know, how, I don't know how, where all you folks are at, but I identify with Peter a lot. I really do. P- Peter was that put his foot in his mouth quite a few times kind of guy. Like, he was gung-ho, and then he was like, oops, yeah, I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> well, no, no, no. But, 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 but man, I'll tell you what, though. Peter had a drive in him. You can't argue that, man. Dude was on it, man. He, but, but, but you do remember, dude also rejected Jesus three times. Right? Right? Three times? I don't know the man. I don't know the man. You're right? So, so he... Walk on water. Whoa. Lord, I can't do that. I mean, that, see, that's us, man. We're, that's why I say, hey, listen, if you say I can't, that's a swear word. That's, that was Peter. Peter was looking right at, Jesus is walking on the water. Like, dude, he's walking on the water. Just listen to him. He'll tell you what to do. You'll be okay. I can't, Lord. Yes, you can. If the Lord is with you, you can. Okay, <laughs> don't be Peter. <laughs> You're right. If you, if you be Peter, you are going to drown. You will drown every time. But if you just let the Lord be the Lord, you'll never fail. You'll never go wrong. And what Paul is trying to make known to us is we live in such a special, special time. We have such a special, special privilege. And guys and gals, I'm telling you, man, I know, I get it, I understand. Life can pull us in all kinds of different directions, but that never negates who we're supposed to be. And if we allow it to negate who we are supposed to be, we are... We're stealing his glory and that's the crazy part about it that we have to be careful of number one says ephesians 3 5 says not made known before make sure to understand that as i've tried to make very clear to you this mystery is now being made known it wasn't made known in other ages it wasn't made known in other times it wasn't made known to other generations. Colossians 1.26, again, uh, we've already read that, but it says, even the mystery which has been hid from the ages and from generations, but now is made manifest. It, it, it was a hidden, it was hidden in prophecy in the Old Testament, but it wasn't understood. They did not understand it because they could not, it could not be understood. Does that make sense? Listen, God could put everything he wanted in that Old Testament, but until he revealed it to us, it wasn't going to be understood. Corinthians 2 makes that point very clear. And that's why I do believe that understanding Corinthians chapter 2, 1 Corinthians 2, is so vitally important. Okay? Let me, let me help you understand something. And just grab this for a second. If an individual is not saved, can they understand Scripture? No. No. 
let me, this is off subject, but have you ever read what Westcott and Hort believed? If you don't know who Westcott and Hort is, I'd write those names down on a piece of paper right now and I'd go home and I'd look those guys up. Who was Westcott and Hort? Well, let me tell you who Westcott and Hort were. They were diehard Roman Catholics that when you read what they believed, there is no way on God's green earth these men were saved. Okay? Impossibility. Well, why are you talking about that, Pastor? Who cares? Okay, because it was Westcott and Hort that's behind all the new Bible translations today. They're, those are the guys that gave us the NIV. Those are the guys that gave us the NASB. Those are the guys that gave us ESV and every other VBDs, SLMGs that we got out there, okay? Those were the guys. I read 1 Corinthians 2. And I'm just telling you, is that where you're going to put your faith in? A bunch of unsaved guys that thought that the KJV was the vilest thing on planet Earth? which, by the way, was the only translation available to man in, 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 in English for 300 years? You think that's the way God rolls? I don't think so, man. I don't think so. All this stuff matters. It really does. It was hid before the world. The understanding of this mystery, I'm in the middle of uh, page 5, the understanding of this mystery was hid. The veil of our understanding was up. However, be very careful not to go to the Old Testament and make Scripture apply to us that doesn't. This is dangerous ground. Verse number six, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. Mystery among the Gentiles. That's your fill in the blank there. <clears throat> Three things are listed here about Gentiles, which makes it unique. And by the way, in the NIV, it says heirs together with Israel. Okay? Now, I just want to make the point of why that's so important. Because if it's heirs together with Israel, you know what that, may, you know what that means? We've replaced Israel. We wonder where we get this stuff from. Well, I can tell you. There's not a manuscript on earth that states this. Not even the Vaticanus and Sinaiticus state this. However, our good friends that, you know, every couple of years think that they need to update God's understand, our understanding of what God meant, because, you know, it's, it's, it's them that tells us what God meant. You know, when they update it, uh, they, they, they let us know that it says heirs together with Israel. We are not fellow heirs with Israel. We are fellow heirs of the promise. That's a different thing. 
Very different. And you say, well, what are you talking about? What, oh, I don't understand. Help me grab onto this. Okay, listen. You remember way, 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 way back, right around the time uh, when Ray lived? Um, he's not even here, is he? I can't even make that joke. He's not here. Um, well, I can. He, maybe he's listening online. Ray, if you're listening online, yeah, back when you lived. Abraham. Remember that guy, Abraham? Okay, there was, there was, this, there was this day, right? When Abraham uh, got, a, uh, uh, got into this conversation with God, Genesis chapter 12, if you need to know where I'm at, where I'm at with this, okay? And, and, and what God does is he announces this, this, what, for, for Abraham that he was going to make Abraham a great nation and that through him all nations would be blessed. They call this... Uh, the dispensation of promise, okay? Because God made some very specific promises to Abraham. Now grab this. He made physical promises and he made spiritual promises. Now, based on our full understanding, we can look back in that and go, okay, well, I'm going to guess that the physical promises he made to Abraham was to, and the spiritual promises he made to Abraham was to, let's try that again. The physical promises he made to Abraham was to, come on, everybody help me. Louder. Israel. Thank you. I want people online to be able to hear. All the spiritual promises he made to Abraham were to the Gentiles. The church, this, this dispensation of the church. Because he says, and, and just to be clear how he says it, he offers Abraham and to his seed land. Well, that seems pretty obvious who he gave that land to. I just keep reading, and we know who, did he give the land to the church? There's not a verse in the Bible you could ever find. That would even come close to us thinking that the land was given to the Gentile. No, the land was given to Israel. Okay, well, well, then how come you're saying that there's a spiritual promise? Because he said that in his seed, all nations would be blessed. And Paul nails this for us. He hits this for us. No doubt about it over there in Galatians 3 when he tells us that that seed was Christ. And he goes by, he says, and the law was a schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. Like he's laying this thing out for us so you can't mess it up. Yet everybody messes it up. It's amazing to me. Just read it. That's why we say around here as much as we do, we can't all understand what the Bible means, but we all can understand what it says. Just read what it says. And just buy what it says. Let God speak the truth. Does that make sense? This promise then, this promise was, was uh, 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 okay, out of two, God made one new. Yeah, let's just, I was about trying to come up with something, and it's right there for me. Let's just read what it says. Out of two, God made one new. It is a new thing. That's what he's explaining to us and what he explained to us in chapter 2. We are not fellow heirs with Israel. We were grafted into a promise 
not into Israel. It does not say we were fellow heirs with Israel. It says we were fellow heirs of the promise. Like, read what it says. Right? Now, if you change that to that we are heirs with Israel, well, now we got a problem. Because now we have two distinctly different things. Are we fellow heirs with Israel? Or are we fellow heirs of the promise? If I have an NIV in my left hand, and I have a KJV in my right hand, I'm confused right now. Which one is it? Which one is it? And can I tell you what most people will do? Well, which one? What's my presupposition? Well, my presupposition is Israel has been replaced by the church, so I'm going to go with the NIV on this one. You see why all these different translations are dangerous? Because what you can do is now you can pick and choose which translation is going to fit your theology. And then you can prove your theology by doing so. Does that sound like something God would do? That, that seems so foreign to how God works. How could anybody think that's how God works? What that now does is it puts the obligation of us understanding what God meant in our hands. Listen, I'm not God. We all know that. But I'm pretty sure that's not the way God's going to work here. He is not going to leave what he meant to be in our hands. No, he's going to leave what he meant to be in his book, which he's raised above his very name. That's where he's going to leave that. Okay? Um, we are fellow heirs. We are fellow heirs with who? Christ. That's who we're fellow heirs with, not Israel. All right. I think I made that point. The straight to the point verse, man. Uh, we can sit here and we can dig into this, but let's just get right to it. Romans 8, 17. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Israel. Is that what that says? No. No, that's not what that says. Joint heirs with Christ. If so, be. Are you joint heirs with Christ just because? Huh? Hey, are you joint heirs with Christ because you were predestinated? If that's so, it wouldn't be, it would not say if so be. It would say, it would say, because you suffer for him. Because if you're predestined to suffer, you're going to suffer. No. If means what? Do you see why it little, just simple little two-letter words? Every word matters. It all matters. And you know what's mind-blowing to me? It really is. Of all the words that God could have put in a book, these are the ones he chose. And it's almost like, and I do it too, so I know you all do it, it's almost like sometimes we just don't give him enough credit for what he wrote. And we just read right through it like it's nothing. Whoa, 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 whoa. 
slow down. What does Proverbs say? Every word of God is pure. What did Jesus say? Every word of God men should live by. What, what, what does he say to those Jews? Every jot and tittle. What does, he, what does he say as the alpha and omega? Alpha is the first letter of the Greek alphabet. Omega is the last. Jot and tittle is the very little. When we dot an I or a J, that's, like a, that, 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 that's what we're talking about in, 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 in Hebrew. God says, I wrote it all exactly, precisely the way I want it. I don't know how people can get to the idea that translations are okay. I don't understand it. Are we not reading what he said? Well, how can the English translation be right? Then it should be the original. The problem is we don't have an original. But what I will say is God promised to preserve it. So either we have it today or we don't. And if we don't, God's a liar. I don't buy that. I know you don't either. Page six, moving right along. Where is the verse that says we are joint heirs with Israel? By now, you should be able to answer that question. The NIV. <laughs> There's not, and, and by the way, by the way, again, as I said, yes, the NIV is going to say that. However, that is not even the translation in the Vaticanus and Sinaiticus. So I'm not even sure what, where that came from. Okay, anyways, Romans 4.13, Paul kind of brings us, and now remember, in Romans 4, he's talking about Abraham. He's talking about this, 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 uh, uh, and explaining Abraham's position, because remember what Romans is all about. Romans is all about salvation. If you want to understand the doctrine of salvation, man, Romans chapter number one to chapter number eight, that's where you go, <laughs> okay, because that's where Paul is explicitly hi amy i even said it right you happy i'm happy too are you texting and driving don't it's bad okay all right he says for the promise that he should be the heir of the world was not to abraham or to his seed through the law but through the righteousness of faith for if they which are of the law be heirs, faith is made void and the promise made of none effect. If you're a fellow heir, it has to be by grace through faith, not of the law, which was given to who? Israel. Paul's trying to make the emphatic point. Galatians 3.8, he says in the scripture, foreseeing that, foreseeing that foreknowledge, Foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham. Foreseeing, preached before. You, do you understand? Yes, yes. Did, did, did God preach the gospel to Abraham? Yes, he did. Foresee did Abraham understand it? Not an ounce of it. Had no clue. But foreseeing that God was going, oh boy, I'm starting to lose it now. Foreseeing, oh, I can't even do it. 
foreseeing that God would justify the faith. By the way, isn't our book good? I love this book, man. It It really isn't that hard. We just make it so hard on ourselves. So then, they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. When? Then? Then? No. When? Now. Now. And, by the way, faith cometh by hearing. And hearing by the Word of God. Let me ask you this. Were they counted righteous in the Old Testament by the Word of God? They were counted righteous by their obedience to God. We, our salvation comes through the Word of God. It's a different thing. And I'm okay with that, as you should be too. Now, were they being obedient to the Word of God? Yes, obviously. But they had something a little different than we do. I don't know if you know this or not, but Moses actually talked with God face to face. The Israelites were on Mount Sinai and the thunderings and the lightnings and they didn't know what to do with that, man. They thought they were all about to die. They were like, we're dead. I don't know about you, but I've never been on Mount Sinai where Christ talked to me like that. We are part of the same body. We are a new creature, not Israel. We've been made this new creature by one body, by the Spirit of God. The Holy Ghost takes up residence in us. We are in Christ. Do you understand the difference between the Holy Ghost and the Holy Spirit? Because you need to. There is a reason why those are two separate terms in the Bible. Let me help you with this. If you don't understand... Let's just start here, and it might help you understand. Was the Holy Ghost ever mentioned in the Old Testament? The answer is no. What was? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has everything to do with the work of the Father. The Holy Ghost has everything to do with the work of His Son. And here you go. Here's a nice little have fun with this. Guess what's not mentioned in the book of Revelation? You want to know why? Because the book of Revelation isn't about the church. The church isn't here during the tribulation period. Where is the church? Same place the Holy Ghost is going to be during the tribulation. Right up there in heaven. And what is going to be working here down on earth? The same thing that was working during the Old Testament, the Spirit. I know, but I'm a crazy nut, doesn't know what I'm talking about. Listen, this stuff is important, man. The same body is not Israel. It is Christ. Imagine that. Imagine that. Imagine the fact that we take our attention off of us or trying to make something special for us and putting it on where it should be, the Lord Jesus. Imagine doing that. The only body that Paul has been talking about here in Ephesians is the body of Christ. Now listen. This is where you got to make sure you don't lose technical, te- technical, 
by technicality. Listen. Okay, Robert. I haven't passed out yet. Okay, good. Listen. When we say the word church, okay, understand something. The word means ecclesia. The word means assembly. Was Israel an assembly? Yes. Yes, they were. So we could use the word church, technically speaking, with Israel. Okay? And by the way, that's how Stephen uses it in Acts chapter 7, which messes people up. But what you have to understand is that the church is not the body of Christ. Is the body of Christ an assembly? So we can call it a church. But just because we say the word church, just technically, it does not necessarily mean the body of Christ. Does that make sense? That will help you. I promise you it will. Understand that. What Paul's talking about right now is not necessarily the word church. He's talking about the dispensation of grace, which is the body of Christ, which is the church in this dispensation. The word church can be used in other dispensations. That's what I want you to understand. The body of Christ cannot be used in other dispensations. This is the only dispensation where the body of Christ is relevant. Did I explain that good enough? Is that good? All right. Because that is important. All right, let me wrap this up. I'm about to pass out. Where are we? The same body is not Israel as Christ. The only body that, oh, we already said that. It was not just the Gentile, it was the Jew as well, put into the new body. You can't put Jew into Jew. That doesn't make a new creature. The promise in Christ is by the gospel. It was given by grace. It was not given by covenants. That's the point that I want to make. Because the covenants were given to Israel. It was given by grace. Those are two different things. Okay? Galatians 3.14 says that the blessing of Abraham might come unto the Gentiles through Jesus Christ. Now, if we were replaced, if we were replacing Israel, one would have to conclude that, that, that what that should say then is that the blessing of Abraham might come unto the Gentiles through Israel. But that's not what it says. It says by Jesus Christ that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through Israel. Again, that's not what it says. It says through faith. Remember back in Ephesians 1.13 where it says, In whom you also trusted... After you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after you believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. In no other dispensation is anyone ever sealed. 
That's why Old Testament saints had to endure to the end. That's why those in the tribulation period are going to have to endure to the end. And if you understand Matthew 24, you'll understand what I'm talking about right now. And listen, why does that matter? It's the whole doctrine of eternal security. If you don't understand what we're talking about right now, how that we are sealed by the Holy Spirit, you're going to think that we can lose our salvation. And the fact of the matter is that in this dispensation, the church in this dispensation cannot lose your salvation once you have it. You did nothing to get it. You can't do anything to lose it. Now, can other dispensations lose their salvation, if you will, if you want to term it that way? Yes, they can. Not this one. Not this one. And all of us should say, because y'all know we'd lose it real fast. We'd lose it right when we walk out that door, if we're all being honest with ourselves. Right? Man, what a special privilege that is. Huh? It's not a covenant that saves us. It's not a covenant that gives us these promises. It's the cross that gets us to airship, and it was promised. You want to know what that tells us? Two things. One, God never goes back on his promises. Let me repeat that just in case the people in the back didn't hear it, right, Claude? God never, ever goes back on his promises. Never. If he promised it, it's going to happen. And can I tell you something he promised outside of this? He promised us that we would always have his word, which means we have it today. Every single one of them. How about that? When could someone enter into the body of Christ? Could you be put into the body in the Old Testament? The answer is absolutely no. The Spirit came upon folks and left them. If you don't believe that, just go start reading some of the Old Testament saints when they're talking. David, how many times in Psalms does he talk about, please don't take your spirit from me? Why would he, why would he be saying that? Well, because he didn't want to lose his salvation. He couldn't have salvation. That can't be what he was talking about. No. The Spirit would come upon David, or it would come upon people, and then it would leave people. It would come upon people, move those people to write whatever it is God needed to be written, and then it would leave. Why is that so hard to understand? It didn't. Nobody in the Old Testament could be saved. The blood of Christ had not been spilt yet. They didn't have a clue what any of that was. They were counted righteous. Not that hard once you figure it out. It's important to note, top, 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 top of page 7, the difference between what the Spirit is doing and when He is doing it. The importance of understanding dispensations. This is why dispensations are so very important to understand in today's church. But the problem is, most churches don't even believe in dispensations, let alone will teach them. And if you think I'm wrong, start asking people. Start talking. Start talking to people. Say, hey, man, what dispensation are we living in? 
What? What are you talking about? Dispensationalist? Oh, you, oh you're, the, you, you're those dispensationalists. Yes, I am. <laughs> you believe in the Word of God? Oh, it's my authority. Well, did you know it's in the Bible four times? I don't care what translation you got. Well, I'm not a dispensationalist. Well, okay, then, you're, then you don't believe the Word of God, your authority. See, just because somebody says they're a Christian, just because somebody says that the, 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 the Word of God is their authority, doesn't mean it is. Start talking to them and see. And this is why, as Peter so elegantly wrote, sanctify the Lord God in your heart. Be ready always to give an answer for the hope that's within you. Because I'm going to tell you right now, if you start opening your mouth to people, you're going to find out what they believe. You're going to find out what they believe. And listen, what I am not advocating for you to do is start punching them in the face with the word of God. That's not what I meant. But, but, as Jude says, earnestly contend for the faith. This person is in trouble right now. They're going to hell unless you talk to them. You need to understand that. We need to understand that. The most selfish thing we could ever do. I don't know why you think you've been brought to this church. I don't know why anybody here may think I'm the pastor of this church and Robert's in this church as a pastor. I don't know what you think of all that. I'll tell you what I think. I think the Lord brought you here so you could hear the truth. And it's your job. It's, it's your uh, right. It's your choice to be a Berean. But be one. Make sure that what me and Robert are telling you are true. And once you go, yeah, that's right, then you be an ambassador too. It's not just my job and Robert's job. It's every single one of your jobs to be an ambassador for Christ. This world, I don't know if you know it or not, and I'm getting passionate for a second, and then I'm going to pass out. This world's going to hell, folks. We got a lot of trouble going on. The time's coming to an end. The Lord is going to come and get his church very soon. People are really going to go to hell. And if you or I don't have the ability or the capacity in ourselves to want to tell other people, then my question is, are you really a Christian? And what I mean by that is, maybe you're saved, but my gosh, you do not have his heart. Because I'll tell you right now, when the Lord was here, that was his heart. People. People. They were going to hell. And he had compassion for them. And listen, compassion is not just being nice to them. The Lord was not just nice. No, compassion is having true love for them because you care for their soul because you know what's going to happen if they don't hear the engrafted word that will save their soul. So many today, if I'm wrong, Take me out back and shoot me. 
Do whatever you want. Do what you want, man. If I'm wrong, boo me out of this place. But I think most people who think they're Christian are not. I think most people who say they're a Christian, I don't know, man. I don't know, man. And, and, and I don't say that pridefully. I don't say that because I like that. I say that because if they're not, they aren't giving him glory. And that's the one that, he's the one that's paying the price for our infidelity. Do you understand? We don't, we on this earth do not pay that price. We don't pay that price until the day we stand before him in judgment. But while we're here, that, 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 we're not the one paying that price. Who's the one that's paying the price and not getting the glory he rightfully deserves right now? Him. But, but, let me just tell you something, just to make sure we're clear on this. There's going to come a day where that's going to flip-flop. He's going to get his glory. He's going to get all of his glory, and then we're going to pay the price. So what would you want to do? What do you want to do, guys and gals and everybody and... Either keep trying to get your glory now, keep trying to get to how you feel now, make yourself feel good, do it all, or let's just go ahead and do what we're going to do in Revelation 4 anyways, gather around his throne, allow him to live in and through us, to give him his glory now. I can't wait to go to heaven to do what? How many times have I heard people say that? I can't wait to go to heaven. I, I'll go right now. Are you ready? <laughs> Do you even know what's going to happen if you went right now? I can't wait. Well, you won't give them glory now, but then you're going to give them glory? Is that what you're saying? That, uh, you're, then you're going to do it? I would say, man, if you're not in a place where you're willing and wanting to give them his glory now, why do you want to go there? And you know what the answer is, right? It's selfishness. Because I'm sick. Because my back hurts. Because I just don't like this place. I don't like my living conditions. I don't, I don't, I don't. I'd just rather be with him. Why? Because you think he's just going to take care of all your problems? And that's what we've turned the gospel into today. We've turned it into everything Jesus does for you. Tell me I'm wrong. Come on now, tell me I'm wrong. When the reality is, and by the way, I want to make it clear, there's a lot of great things Jesus is going to do for us. He is going to take away our pain. He is going to, uh, I don't disagree with any of that. However, it wasn't for you he did it. It was for his glory. And we need to be a church that's about his glory, because that's what it's all about. And can I just humbly say this? It wasn't until that light bulb turned on in my head that I tr truly was able to find true joy. I got it. Oh, it's not about me. <laughs> it lifted the world off of my shoulders. I no longer had to be the judge over stuff. I no longer had to do things the way I thought was right, that I was consistently doing wrong, and I know I was. And that's not to say I still don't do things wrong. I'm sure my wife could tell you all of the whole list of them yesterday. But listen, at the end of the day, 
Do you want to know what the truth will actually do to you if you actually allow it to do it? It will set you free. <laughs> you know what? My back is killing me right now. My sinuses feel like they're going to blow my head up right now. But you know what? I don't care. I'm up here preaching to you folks because I love this word. And you know what? I'll go home. I'll watch the Cowboys beat the Giants. I'll pass out. I'll wake up tomorrow morning. Maybe. <laughs> the Lord wants to give me breath. <laughs> but this is what it is, man. We got to stop worrying about stuff that don't matter. What? What am I going to do about it? My back hurts. What do you want me to tell you? What am I going to do about it? My sinuses are blowing up in my face. What do you want me to do? There's nothing I can do about it. I still want to give him glory, though, because you know what? It could be worse. I could be in a wheelchair. I could have stage four cancer. It could always be worse. We complain about the stupidest things if you stop and you think about it. I, and listen, I do too. But man, if you really put things in perspective, if you really just stop, What do we have to complain about? <laughs> if the Lord of glory is inside of you, who cares? It is what it is, man. Let's go. Listen, if the Lord took my house, if the Lord took my, my, uh, my cars, if the Lord took my wife or my kids, what would you do? Would you be like Job? The Lord giveth, and the Lord taketh away. He still deserves all of our glory. He still deserves it all. Because it's all his anyways. Get to the place where you realize that, and the truth will set you free. And you won't worry about what other people say about you. You won't worry about what other people think about you. You won't worry about any of that stuff because you'll realize none of it matters anyways. Because it doesn't. <laughs> Amen? 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 Hey, hey, we're five days away from a celebration that's, hey, for whatever it is, it is. All I know is I'm sure I'm speaking for all of you. I am thankful that the Lord Jesus Christ left the heavens of heavens and put himself into that little baby boy. He gave us the greatest gift we could ever get. And if somebody wants to get upset about that, that we're celebrating that, let them. I could care less. Call it what you want. Call it Happy Holidays, call it Merry Christmas. I don't care what you call it, just call it this. The Lord Jesus Christ was born in a manger. He lived on this planet for 33 and a half years. He died on a cross for my sins, and I'm saved. Glory, I'm saved. What, is, what, what could anybody, what could anybody do to this? What could anybody do? I'm his, and he is mine. Amen? Merry Christmas. <laughs> Father, we come before you, Lord.
Oh, Lord, you're so awesome, man. Lord, thank you for giving me the ability to get through this. Uh, Lord, uh, I know it wasn't anything I did. Lord, uh, you, are, you are faithful, you are true. And I'm so thankful uh, that we can call you ours. Uh, Lord, thankful that uh, you loved us and still love us and will love us for all of eternity. Lord, uh, help us to be obedient to you. Help us to be uh, mindful of the things that you have commanded us. Help us to love one another. Help us to help one another. Uh, help us to be together and, and do your work as you've called us to be, uh, not for our vainglory, but for your honor and glory. Because, Lord, it is our reasonable service, and I can't think of anybody that deserves it more. So, Lord, thank you for this church. I am, was reminded this week just how very much I am thankful for everybody in this church. We have good people in this church, Lord. I know you know that. We have people that do want to follow you. We have people that do love you and want to do the things. And Lord, I know that sometimes, even myself, we get sidetracked. Uh, but Lord, you are so faithful to us. You have been so good to this church. Lord, even when it didn't look like or things just happened around us and it felt like things were crumbling down, you kept it all together. You kept us faithful and you kept us moving forward. Lord, you did that because your word doesn't return void. And Lord, we're thankful for it. Help us to be all that you've called us to be. Help us to be in remembrance of this time and this season. It's for your glory, we pray. And all the people said, amen. amen.